Okay, there's a new op-ed in McLean's that's getting some attention for its take on how Premier Ford and Education Minister Stephen Lecce have been playing out the striking teachers issue. And it's written by none other than our friend of the show, Michael Korn, author and broadcaster, who joins us now here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Mr. Korn, good afternoon. Well, I'm, I'm a very naughty boy. I don't, I, I'm always getting into trouble, aren't I? Well, you know, it's always a great thing. Uh, well, you know, you see that something's trending that you've done. I mean, there's part of you that's like, oh, why am I trending? And then you're like, oh, okay, this is resonating with people. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is. And, and actually, a general observation is often the things you don't think will actually be particularly uh, popular. But on this one, I suppose it's because uh, when it comes to education and teachers, obviously there are a lot of people who teach, but there are a huge number of people who are parents of kids at school. So it does affect an enormous number of people in Ontario. And it's an ongoing issue. And I, look, I don't think that any government has really acted in the best way, the best method, the best policy towards the education system. But in this case, we knew that Mr. Ford uh, had a problem. He's certainly not pro-teacher. As I said in the piece, he and his supporters see teachers as being part of the enemy, part of the problem. They're not particular fans of public education. So this action was, I think, inevitable. Okay. Why is it you believe that the Ford government, they've kind of overplayed their hand in this negotiation? It's very political in in, in party terms. Uh, Teachers are fooled by those who are more conservative-minded. I think there are certain assumptions. They're overpaid. Well, I don't think that's true. I think they're adequately paid. Uh, but, yes, they receive checks during the summer, but that's evened out over the whole year. What they actually earn after so many years of education to qualify is not a vast sum. There's this mythology that they arrive at about 8.30 in the morning and they leave at 3.30. Um, I'm married to a teacher, and she's retired now, but I mean, the hours they work are incredibly long. If they if they just work 8.30 to 3.30, the principal would, would get rid of them in a heartbeat. They're thought to be more liberal, uh, to, to support liberal and new de- Democrat uh, parties and governments rather than conservatives. And if you go back to Mike Harris, we, we've forgotten it's quite a long time ago now, I suppose, but in the Mike Harris government, we, we know, remember John Snowball and so on, it was revealed that, that they were actually looking for some sort of dispute. So I think in this case, Uh, I'm not alleging that the government went out to have a conflict with the teachers, but I don't think they regret it. Okay, but let me ask you, when you say that this government is anti-teacher, what leads you to that or to that conclusion here? Or is it, uh, I mean, you can spin that both ways, that they're pro-taxpayer, that they're just trying to get uh, the the best, uh, you know, deal for the uh, Ontario uh, taxpayer, and that uh, they want to make sure the education system is uh, functioning, uh, hopefully, uh, efficiently, and that uh, maybe that wasn't done in the past, and that's uh, part of the reason why they have a majority government today. I don't think it is where they have that government. I think there's other reasons. But I think we should all want the, the system to work to the best of its ability. Look, teachers are taxpayers too. Uh, teachers tend to be, if anything, the bedrock of society. I mean, I don't think, oh, my golly, teachers have just moved in next door. There goes the neighborhood. I mean, you know, these are, these are the people who are the good guys. Uh, they do work hard, and the system does work. It needs more money. It needs more investment. If you speak to any teacher about the reality of, of frontline teaching, they will tell you, the classes that used to exist are no longer there. Class sizes are increasing constantly. Uh, classes for kids who may have special needs or whatever, they're, they're evaporating. And in this case, part of the policies I think is very indicative. More online courses, which means fewer teachers, and anyone who's taken online courses knows it's not as good. That personal interaction, particularly for those children who need a bit more help, 
it's vital that they have a teacher there. And then they're talking about privatising who actually supplies this online education. Well, surely we conclude from that that that's not a commitment to public education. Um, yeah, but can we have and don't we need to have an open dialogue about uh, these issues and whether or not uh, this is a way forward? Because it seems to me, and you just mentioned it means fewer teachers uh, online uh, courses. I mean, at the end of the day, I think hopefully what we all want is the best education system we can to prepare our next generation for the uh, challenges uh, ahead. And we need to have that discussion rather than the discussions about salaries and jobs and, and all of the rest. And that needs to occur on both sides. But it seems as if both sides have really got their heels uh, dug in. Well, I, I agree with you that the end of this should not be, uh, if you like, teachers or politicians, certainly not the latter. It should be young people. It should be children, kids, our kids. We, we put four through the, the education system, and it works relatively well. The class sizes are increasing, and it's not just this government. They've been increasing for a while, and we know that they've been increased. The policy is quite explicit uh, under this administration. Every survey, every investigation reveals that the bigger the class becomes, the harder it is to teach kids, especially those. The, the ones who are doing very well are going to do very well whatever happens. That, that isn't really the problem. It's those who are struggling a bit. Those who are struggling. I heard one story of, of a kid who went in wearing quite brightly colored clothes. And the reason he did it was because he wanted the teacher to notice him because he, he wanted some attention because he wasn't doing very well. And you know, teachers... They have a right to, to want job stability and security, but it, you, you spend four years getting your, your BA or whatever, then you do another couple of years teacher's training. Then you yeah, but again, here we are back to you know the plight of the teachers and job stability. Yeah, Instead of talking about substantively how do we get the best bang for the buck when it comes to uh, education and what that looks like. And I want to ask you, because we tried to have this conversation uh, yesterday without going down the road of you know, wages and contract negotiations, because it, it seems to me, I don't know, with all due respect to the major players here, I mean, is Stephen Lecce, is he qualified to uh, tell us what is the best road forward when it comes to education? And are these union leaders, uh, the Sam Hammonds of the the world and the Harvey Bischoffs, are they the ones that should be pulling all these levers and be in control of what Ontario's education system looks like moving forward? Well, I think the minister is actually one of the brighter people in this government, and uh, but I, I suspect the strings are not being pulled by him, but by the premier and the, and the premier's office. As for the union leaders, I mean, the, the, the idea that union leaders don't represent their members—they've voted in year after year in leadership. They've gone through the ranks as teachers, so I, I don't. I don't want to say that, that there are base motives involved here. Now, quite clearly, a, a union leader is trying to get the, the, the best for their members. That doesn't mean they're indifferent to the kids. I don't think the minister is indifferent to the plight of kids either. I mean, I don't think anyone is evil here. I think it's a different vision about what education should be. And knowing some of the people within conservative circles and their views on education, they do care about kids. But they also think that private education may be the, the, the way forward, and they're not committed to public investment. And that goes beyond education. It goes to healthcare as well. It's not malice. It's ideology. They, they really think that the best long-term solution is, is to, to dig away, to dent away at the public system. And when I mention teachers, I, I'm not weeping in particular for teachers. There are many people in, in a worse situation. All I'm saying is if a teacher has spent six years training for a job, that teacher has a right to know that job will be around long-term. 
Yeah, is it impossible to have a, a conversation and maybe separate this out and say, listen, when it comes to the education system in this uh, province, you know, we've hired or we've got consultants and experts who have dealt with this their entire careers and their entire lives. They will be concerned with the curriculum and there's, uh, you know, X amount of money to do that. Now, if you want to have a, a talk and negotiate about uh, wages, job security, benefits, time off and all of the rest, then we can have that between the employer, the government and the unions who represent uh, the workers. Is that maybe the best way forward? Well, there's a possibility it could go to arbitration, of course. Uh, if it does, and the government probably don't want that, uh, it usually ends up that uh, the, the striking group, in this case the teachers, uh, come out favorably. So I don't know. I, mean, I do understand, I mean, ex- experts, those who've studied the situation, but they are being consulted. Look, when we had the sex ed issue, the sex ed curriculum that came in, there were various, I mean, all of the experts came forward to say this new curriculum is, is we, we should have had it years ago, it's long overdue, it's necessary. But Dalton McGinty actually backed down on it because enough people said we're very angry and won't vote for you. Yes, we should listen more to experts. When the experts are saying smaller classes, teacher stability, online courses are not the way to go forward. So if we listen to them, it's not going to be in favor of the, of the fourth government. Here with author and broadcaster Michael Korn. Well, we've got you here, Michael. Wanted to also uh, touch on some political news of the day, uh, most notably uh, Prince Charles, who's uh, all, all over the headlines. He's in uh, Jerusalem and apparently uh, snubbed a U.S. Uh, VP uh, Mike Pence. What went on there? Well, I mean, in a way, it, it, it's a shame this is even being spoken about because we're, we're remembering the liberation of Auschwitz and so on, 75 years after the end of the Second World War and the Holocaust. I'm not sure if he did. It seemed to me that, I mean, it looked as though he was deliberately snubbing Mike Pence. He went leader after leader, and he seemed to to miss him out. Now, other people are saying, no, he'd had a meeting with Mike Pence and his wife before the meeting, and so he didn't think it was necessary. It's very hard to know exactly what did happen. It does seem a bit strange that there was no physicality at all. If they just had a meeting, okay, just maybe a touch on the arm. But there was, there was nothing at all, and obviously it, it's being construed as a snub. I don't think that Prince Charles's people would say anything. That's generally not what they do. They've got enough trouble with, um, what's the name of that couple again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it, but, uh, but Mike Pence's people are saying, no, it wasn't a snub. Uh, the optics weren't good, though, and it wasn't handled properly. All right, but uh, Charles, uh, the royals have not publicly commented on this, and you don't expect them to. It's not usually what they do. Mind you, in the past two weeks, there's all sorts of things the royals don't usually do that have been blown out of the water. So (laughs) maybe they will. But there is a danger. Something is happening with the commemoration of the Holocaust. You have the the Russians who are really going after the Poles. The Poles, they they didn't show up. They said, well, it's not fair. You're not letting us speak. It was on our territory where all, all of this happened. Some of our people died. Uh, Vladimir Putin will be there, but not the Polish leadership. It's very sad that something like this should be not exploited, but be distorted in such a way, because it it really should be a day of of such mourning and empathy. Without a doubt. Michael, appreciate the time as always. Thank you, sir. Thank you, as always.